The I Love You So Much podcast is proudly sponsored by Hilton. Discover Austin and choose from one of our many brands, including Hilton, Embassy Suites by Hilton, Doubletree by Hilton, Hampton Inn & Suites, and Home to Suites by Hilton. See more, save more. Stay at Hilton. Unlock local experiences at travel.hilton.com. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm Addie Broyles. And I'm Alyssa Vidalis, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake in the offices of the Austin American Statesman. Jack Gilmore has been cooking in Austin kitchens for years, and for the past decade, he's home Jack Allen's Kitchen. What does philanthropy in the hospitality industry look like? How about hosting a Thanksgiving just for veterans? Or a free annual meal for Central Texas farmers who grow the local produce that Gilmore buys to serve at his six Austin-area restaurants. We chatted with him about why giving back is the backbone of his business strategy. We follow that up with our weekly dose of recommendations in I Love This So Much. Statesman pop culture critic Joe Gross joins us to talk about his love of Homecoming, a new show on Amazon Prime that was inspired by, hey, a podcast. Addie talks about Paula Dean's corn casserole, one of the few must-have dishes on her Thanksgiving table, and yours truly shares my love of Black Friday shopping, including how I beat the crowds and stay fueled with Starbucks' special Thanksgiving blend. It's so good. But first, let's hear from Jack Gilmore and about where his love for cooking and giving back all began. Jack Gilmore, thanks for coming on. I love you so much. Man, I love you too, and thanks for having us. Sure. Happy early Thanksgiving to you. It does feel like Thanksgiving this morning's cold. Yeah, chilly. And there's pumpkins, and there's all kinds of stuff going on, and I'm ready. Me too. I'm already starting to think about my turkey, and you know, this is such a great time of year. We wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and what's on your Thanksgiving table, but you know, you're also known as one of the most charitable chefs around town. You are at every tasting event, but you also host these really cool luncheons for farmers. Uh, this week, you're actually hosting a Veterans Day event for, what, six or 700 veterans? Yeah. Wow. So tell me a little bit about how you got into being a philanthrop- you know, being a chef first, but with this really backbone, this strong backbone of philanthropy. Well, uh, you know, I grew up in South Texas in the early 60s and uh, and really, really familiar with farming and fishing and things like that. So I kind of felt the bug way back then. And we didn't grow up with a whole lot of money, but we grew up with a lot of love in the family. And uh, it was easy to get great food. I didn't really know I had that bug until I moved to Austin. And even then, I didn't know I had it. You know, why did you move to Austin in the first place? Well, um, truth be told, I didn't marry her, but I followed a girl here. (laughs) (laughs) Typical story. It's all good. Where where uh, in South Texas were you? Brownsville. Okay, because I'm Victoria. See, that's not south. It's kind of south. It's 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 souther than Austin. It is souther than Austin, but it's not south. (laughs) I love when people say, yeah, I'm from Victoria. I'm in South Texas. No, you're not. I was three blocks from the border. That's amazing. Wow. That's South Texas. That's that some good citrus then and all that. Oh, it's all full of citrus, peppers, chilies. So that's where your love of food came from. I what really, really have a passion for food from there because uh, all the food that we have, all the textures and flavors and heat and yeah. and seasonality, believe it or not, in the valley, there's mm. seasonality. Wow. Um, but that's kind of where it came from. Then when I moved to Austin, I had already cooked at a restaurant for about three years when I was 15 to 18. 
Moved to Austin. I'm about to celebrate 40 years being in Austin. Mm. Moved here in 79. Mm. And uh, worked with some really, really, I was really trying to go to school. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like school. Uh, I didn't know you needed that much math. So, That's why I'm in journalism. Forget that. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> so I just really went to work and just worked with some really good restaurants from really good chefs way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically, I worked with Guy and Larry that uh, kind of the mentors of this city for opening up restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one that started Hop Dotties. I was going to say, for, for those of us not on a first name basis. <laughs> they started Hop Dotties. Yeah. They started Eddie V's. Yeah coastal cooking and then uh before that they started z teos and i was the original chef at z for exactly 20 years and mm. was this the location on sixth street actually we started sixth street mm-hmm. and we built about 13 all over the country mm-hmm. and uh, so i was a traveling chef and i'd be gone 200 days a year wow. when my wife was home raising two great boys yeah and so you ended up leaving z teos and starting jack allen's kitchen was that about a decade ago we're going to celebrate nine years in about two weeks. Wow. So the charity aspect was well engaged when you were at Z Tejas. I mean, yep. in, I mean, basically, I think what a lot of people who live here, they might go to restaurants, they might not be able to see that almost every nonprofit, when they host a big gala or a fundraiser, they reach out to restaurants and say, hey, can you provide some food? Can you set up a tasting booth? And, and it's a, almost the main form of entertainment to yep. sell a ticket to raise money. So exactly. you've been doing that now for decades. So nowadays there's probably 50 to 60 events every year. And there are seasons like in the fall, there's a lot in the spring. There's a lot, mm-hmm. like there's a lot going on right now, but you can't throw a party in town without great food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the way, there's probably about 10 chefs that you can always count on mm-hmm. um, for a lot of reasons. But there are quite a few chefs out there that, that do contribute, not just chefs now, but distilleries, mm-hmm. beer makers, cheese makers, things like that. But you can't throw a party without great food. And they get, you know, you get some marketing value from doing that, but it's a labor of love. I, I really admire chefs who are the regulars at those events. Well, from my standpoint, if I do it for marketing, I'm doing it for the wrong reason. And I know you guys are in the newspaper business, but uh, I would rather have word of mouth than print mm-hmm. or video or anything like that. But uh, it's the right thing to do. I made a lot of friends, a lot of friends, mm-hmm. made some great guests come and go. I mean, they just come all the time, but for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And you got to be selective because nowadays when they throw an event, it's a Friday night or a Saturday night, do you leave your full restaurant and pull three or four staff members out to go do an event for nothing? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, from the dollar ten standpoint, it costs us a lot of money to throw an event, mm-hmm. but it also costs you a lot of money not to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and how do you pick which organizations to support? Uh, it's kind of a passion thing. Um, you know, there a lot of things that are near and dear to me are the veterans fire department, police department, um, homeless, um, battered women, sex trafficking, children that don't have a meal the next morning. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, CCA, you know, taking care of the Gulf coast, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, how I choose personally is 
the more money we raise, I want it to go right to the cause. I don't believe in administration costs. I don't believe in any of that stuff. So my threshold is if if 90% plus stays within the charity, I'm in. Wow. If it's 89, I'm probably not going to be in because it's not worth it. So hardly a week or a month goes by without you doing one of these events. I did three last week. <laughs> and I'm doing a big one on Wednesday. So, yeah, how do you prep for serving 600 veterans at Thanksgiving dinner? Well, here's... You got here's, turkeys brining right now? No, but they're ordered. <laughs> it only takes about six days to brine a turkey. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We're going to air right before... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're brining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I tell you what, what's, what I'm very, very thought, thankful for is my staff really wants to get involved mm-hmm. in the community. And one of the ways they do it is to um, offer their time and, uh, and just hit the road with me and we have a great time. Wow, you're instilling that passion for others. Absolutely. For supporting others. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but there's a bone in their body that you know i don't make anybody do anything mm-hmm. but there's a bone in their body where i literally have to tell people i'm sorry i got enough people hmm. what do you mean by that in other words if i don't need 10 volunteers mm. at an event i need three mm-hmm. so, so you almost have too many you know well, you, oh, yeah. there's a lot of interest yeah. well there's a lot of events so True. <laughs> well one True. group that you really help out with uh, or at least show your support to are the farmers yeah. Texas. I feel like that is the the group that maybe is most near and dear to your heart because you also buy a lot of produce from them. Well, towards the end of my tenure at Z, I started trying to use local farmers. But, uh, you know, when you run a big corporation like a big restaurant like that, it's all about the bottom line. And it's not cheaper to buy local. But in my opinion, it's it's harder. Mm-hmm. And uh, And the reason why I say it's harder is Mother Nature's got a huge stake in this, and the farmers are so resilient. So if it's too much rain, you're going to have a hard time. Not enough rain, hard time. Too cold, hard time. So you just select, pick and select. But, but you know, so here's, here's a quick story. Son Bryce was working on top of a mountain in the middle of America in Aspen, Colorado, and he called me one day and said, Dad, it's cold outside, but I got the freshest produce, the best lamb, the best cheese, the best dairy you can ever imagine. When I come back to Austin, I'm going to open up a trailer. I know you're going to do it, Jack Allen's Kitchen. Let's support the farmers. So right there, my light switch went off. I said, okay. So the first couple of days after he talked to me, I hit the farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. And back then, it was downtown mm-hmm. and Sunset Valley. And this is without even having a Jack Owens kitchen yet. The but idea, the seed was maybe starting this, to sprout. Literally, the seed was right there sprouting. Mm. So I'd go up to farmers, shake their hand. I didn't know them, and they didn't know me. And I said, how do I get some of this to my restaurant that I'm going to open up in four months? Well, order it. Come by and pick it up. Stand in line like everybody else and pick it up. And it's easy for you to say, well... I'm probably going to need 400 pounds of tomatoes a week. And they just look at me and laugh like, no way. I'm like, I hope so. So you have to make that commitment. Mm -hmm. You have to show your integrity and you have to deal with people with integrity where they take care of you. So without that, 
you're just another person but they'll stop whatever they're doing to take care of what we do mm-hmm. yeah another person making promises there ain't one way you've earned their trust is, this is kind of legendary at this point, but that if farmers have anything extra left over at the end of the farmer's market, they can bring it to your restaurants and pretty much drop it off and send you an invoice. Yeah, so here's the life of a farmer real quick. So they grow all week, they pick Friday, fill up their trucks, go to the farmer's market, set up a table, pay 35 or $45 for a booth fee, set it all up, have prices on it, and hope, really hope, that they sell it. And I noticed, therefore, real quick, that they weren't selling everything. And someone said, you know what, I'll just take it back and feed the cows, take it back and feed the chickens, or better yet, I'll take it to Capillary Food Bank and drop it off. Or better yet, stop somewhere and give it to homeless people. And sometimes they cover their fee of buying the booth sometimes they don't so i always said on your way home because a lot of farms are in gillespie county and dripping springs and south and i said stop at the restaurant i'll buy whatever you have i've never haggled ever with a farmer hmm. if they give me a price then that's what it is wow it's really that simple yeah in other words if they say it's six bucks i'm not gonna say i'll give you 550 because 50 cents at the end of the day per dozen eggs really isn't that much. Mm -hmm. But for them, it's going to make a big difference. So my funny story is uh, this young woman on a Saturday afternoon around two knocks on the back door at Jack Allen's in Oak Hill and says, I hear you buy anything we have left over from the farm. And I said, absolutely, what do you have? She goes, I have the most beautiful egg you'll ever see. And I said, sure, let me show, I mean, let me see them. So she brought in a dozen eggs, most incredible eggs I've ever seen. And I said, well, I'll take the rest. She goes, no, that's it. That's all I have. I have a dozen eggs. <laughs> so I was left over. Do you want them? I'm like, sure. How much are they? Eight bucks. Went into my pocket, pulled out eight bucks, and said, thank you. Oh. That was the best omelet that day. I bet it was delicious. It was. Yeah. <laughs> what is your kind of, I had, uh, I've been to Jack Allen's once. It was delicious. But what is your palate as a chef? Like what flavors do you lean towards? Well, growing up in South Texas, it's, it's always been about textures and flavors. Mm-hmm. So I like the hot and cold aspect of entree. You know, sweet, spicy, crispy, soggy, all in one bite. <laughs> You know, I'm not that chef where you have to separate your food. Mm-hmm. My corn better not be touching my potatoes. Mm. My gravy better not be touching my meat. So it's kind of like just mix it all up and go at it. But I really go for, you know, sure, visual helps, but mm-hmm. its textures to me is what matters. Mm-hmm. And if it's supposed to be hot, it's hot. If it's supposed to be cold, it's cold. Was it hard to convince diners to go along with you with the seasonality that comes from buying from local farmers yeah so what we found out is we were trying to change our menu every season four times a year Mm -hmm. um and then we created a monster where people were addicted to certain items that you had to have 365 days a year Mm -hmm. how could you so (laughs) (laughs) so we chose to do is just run a bunch of specials every night and every day and just kind of open up their palates and let them try different things 
it's also a way for our staff to stay fresh and really care mm-hmm. about what they do and our chefs to get creative. Okay, so we're going to transition into Thanksgiving talk, turkey talk. What's oh, on no. your ideal Thanksgiving table? Um, all right. You know, it's not uncommon to have 50 or 60 people at my house. As if, you do. If my staff can't go home to Dallas just for one day or whatever, they come to our house. Mm-hmm. They bring their kids. And at first we were puppy friendly until there were more puppies in the kitchen than people. So we kind of put a stop to that. But it's always been about the turkey. We'll cook it. And luckily, Bryce and I and a couple of my friends, you know, we'll fry a turkey, we'll roast a turkey, we'll smoke a turkey, we'll comb feed a turkey. All the turkey. Wait, do you do like every version? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? That's like oh, yeah. half a dozen kinds of turkey right yeah. there. Do you do the beer one where you... Like Ooh. a beer cooked turkey or whatever it's called. I mean, what, you got beer on your mind or no, what? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm trying to think like, of like, the ways that, like, you, oh, like that's all the be- ways to cook a turkey. I'm like, do you do every one? That's a beer can chicken you're thinking oh, about. Oh, okay. It, it I've t- seen a turkey one. Well, have you ever seen the inside <laughs> of a turkey? You need like a keg of beer. To- <laughs> oh, okay. You could brine it. <laughs> yeah, you can. Pretty good marinade, and we it? do that. We, yeah. we brine it with a dark beer. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's early in the morning and I'm ready for this. And of course, you know, you got to call our friends at, richardson farm and get their ham Mm -hmm. and you cook that two or three different ways Mm -hmm. um gravy depends on what the farmer's market has that uh saturday before Mm -hmm. but it's always great green beans and yams and sweet potatoes and Mm -hmm. great salads and Mm -hmm. and i'm not a dessert guy i was just wondering but i love them Mm -hmm. but i just don't like baking so who bakes your i can't bake I totally can't bake. My sweet wife of 37 years does most of the baking. Bless y'all's heart. She's yeah. so great. And she better start tomorrow. <laughs> so, so if you had one tip for listeners who wanted to up their Thanksgiving game, what would it be? Don't be scared. Hmm. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to kill anybody on Thanksgiving meal. As long uh, as you cook your turkey all the right, way through. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's funny, you know, when my youngest son was in kindergarten or first grade you know they gave you a project and they said how do you cook a turkey and you had to write it down <laughs> oh no and i like it when they say pull it out of the freezer put it in the oven for 20 minutes and it's done no you have to think i'm like that. okay <laughs> you're almost there <laughs> how about defrosting it for a little while and leave it in another two hours mm. but uh it's it's always fun but and here's the other deal is uh we have plenty of food Everybody leaves with a to-go container of whatever they want. And the what I look forward to Thanksgiving is, besides hanging out with all my friends, is breakfast the next morning. Mm. Good ham, great eggs, mm-hmm. uh, leftover mashed potato p- pancakes, mm-hmm. things like oh, that. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, what's the best, what's your favorite kind of like leftover reuse? Everything. Okay. And again, it's just like mix it all up and... You know, the green bean casserole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm that guy. But I'll use fresh green beans instead of frozen. Sure. Nothing, nothing wrong with frozen. Okay. Make my own onion rings instead of the French's onion rings. Naturally. But, you know, just heat it up. That's a, That's probably the only way I use the microwave is heating it up. Really? Way. Yeah. Okay. So you just, like, have the green bean casserole the next morning as is, or do you, like, recreate it? Because you mentioned mashed potato pancakes. Would not have thought of that. 
Well, yeah, you don't really need to recreate it, but you always can. You always can add ham okay. to it and things like that. But, mm. uh, man, nothing better than leftover Ghibli gravy. Mm, mm. My favorite leftovers are, <laughs> like, stuffing, and I, like, put it in a pan, almost like I'm making fried yep. fried rice. Oh, that's pretty good. But I kind of fry up and toast the yep. stuffing then, so it crisps up again. Then with all the bones and things like that, you make a really good turkey soup. Yeah, do not, gumbo. listeners, oh. do not throw yeah. away the carcass. Oh, no. I'm the person who, no matter which Thanksgiving I'm at, <laughs> I'm the person who says, can I can I take that? You're not throwing mm-hmm. that away, right? I'll, and like I'll go, I'll yep. go home with like trash bags full yep. of turkey carcasses. Yep. I'll remember that. <laughs> I know you probably have a lot left over. Boil it and make a good stock. Mm-hmm. Make a good stock. Now you've seen many of Thanksgiving. Do you ever feel the need to like? Uh, I just want to like change up the flavor palette or like try something new every year or like do you ever get no, bored? I'm, I, I'm a traditionalist. Okay. And I I want to stick with the traditions, but we always do a spinoff of a instead of cornbread dressing, we'll do a tamale dressing mm. things like that we've actually oh. run that recipe before yeah you have we'll we'll, we'll put that at the top of the yeah. internet it's, pile it's too. Yeah. That's, that's really <laughs> freaking good and it's tamale tamale season too so you, oh, absolutely yeah i've been putting tamales in soup over the past few years like, absolutely. Like, kind of tired, get tired it's, of eating them and then stick them in like a almost like a t- tortilla soup chicken yeah. tortilla soup it's a good thickener that's yeah. great flavor all right my last question Thanksgiving is really all about family. You got a couple of sons, one of whom has been nominated for a James Beard Award oh, about half a dozen times. Yep. What's it been like to watch both of their successes? Oh, you know, I'm blessed. And, you know, one of the proudest things I am about the kids is is they have that passion bug of giving back to the community as well. Mm-hmm. And they take care of farmers like we do. And they really take care of elementary schools, you know, farming programs, garden programs, and things like that. So... You know, they're both great family men. They both have a child each, and uh, they've got the bug. And they're young, and and I wish I was their age again. But uh, it's just it's just really cool to see them blossom. Mm-hmm. Really is. Well, I hope you get to enjoy Thanksgiving with all of them and all of your surrogate kids at the restaurants. We will. Good. We will. Well, thanks for coming in, Jack. Can I tell you a real cool story? Always. Besides the veterans. Uh, we do a lot of things with Lone Star Paralysis Foundation. Oh, yeah. And I've been working with them for 13 years. And when I opened up Jack Allen's Kitchen, um, I wanted to do it right. So there's a, and they, we auction a meal at Doug English's house every year for about 12 to 16 people. And sometimes we'll sell one dinner, two dinners, or three dinners. The same guy has bought it for the last 13 years. His name is Carl Miller and his wife, Deanna Miller, bought the mill the last 13 times. (laughs) It's a great time. Great people. So I decided to put Carl Miller's queso on the menu. So every queso we sell, we donate a dollar to the LSP Foundation. Hmm. And it's all about, uh, you know, guys that have, disability from either jumping in a pool with not enough water or an accident or getting shot in the back but Mm -hmm. um most of them are in wheelchairs but it's a great foundation in that they give those folks hope and they give them a place to go to work out and give them support and it's not uncommon to see it practice works i mean i've seen people that was in a wheelchair for a couple years get up and play 18 holes of golf so I see it work. Yeah. I think over the last 
13 years, we've raised over a million dollars. Wow. We do three tons of cheese per month. Cheese? Just for the queso. For the queso. Oh, tell me about that queso. Like what? Oh, it's really good. So <laughs> it's it's a really good traditional Texas style queso. Yeah, because that's a lot queso. We put a green chili pork on top of that. Okay. And then guacamole on top of that. It's ah. fresh chips. Mm. And we don't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. And they're great people. The whole organization is incredible people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you talk about the money going to the right cause, you know, 97, 98% of what we raise goes to the worthy cause. Mm. May so, I ask, you mentioned Jack Allen's Kitchen a bunch. That's your name. Yeah, <laughs> Have you my, had to get used to that? My middle name is Allen. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. It's like my, you're being yelled at because you did something like, wrong every day. It was, Third person. It was kind of one of those things where, you know, growing up in the early 60s, you, you, everybody had two names. And <laughs> when my mother was yelling at me, it was Jack Allen. Okay. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to open a restaurant one day and call it Jack Allen's Kitchen. <laughs> All right. So, you, like, you never, like, that, that never had to get used to saying that or anything? No, no, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to do is, there's a lot of hard things opening a restaurant one of them is naming it mm-hmm. and but so what it is it's vague enough where you can serve whatever you want mm-hmm. it's not specific like jack's pizza joint where you <laughs> better have pizza you know mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. so it's fun and bryce's middle name is alan mm. well odd duck he is an odd duck <laughs> <laughs> sounds maybe better and, than bryce allen and molly his wife named all three of his restaurants odd duck barley swine and then sourdough wow they're a good team well thank you for the reminder of the power of food in providing hope for people god bless you it's the right thing to do it's the time of the year where you got to be thankful and i tell my staff every day to take care of each other love one another and respect each other thanks so much jack that's simple the part of our show we call i love this so much joining us is joe gross joe what are you into uh well i wanted to mention homecoming which is on amazon prime i'm a little not not a little late to the party on this but you know i i devoured it you know a week or so after everybody else and um uh was kind of kind of blown away by it it was based it's a a 10-part series on amazon prime uh, based on a podcast that starred Catherine Keener and Oscar Isaacs. And the TV version stars Julia Roberts and uh, Stephen James as uh, respectively a um, psychiatric social worker who works at a facility that is transitioning soldiers from military life to civilian life uh, it is strongly implied that these are soldiers who have some level of PTSD, and she is at this uh, facility. It's not a DOD facility. It's a, con- a contract uh, to try and help these guys adjust to civilian life, and throughout the series, she becomes aware that that might not actually be what she is doing. Ooh. And it's... It sounds like a twist. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. There are a couple things that I think really work in its favor, it's 10 half-hour episodes, so it's not like Netflix superhero series 
where you got to sit through 13 hours of these things. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a five-hour movie mm-hmm. about this woman sort of figuring out what her job actually is. And everybody is beautifully cast. Um, the, uh, the director is a guy named Sam Ismail, who uh, is the showrunner for Mr. Robot and is known for bringing really interesting filmic techniques to television uh, Mr. Robot, whether you like it or not, is a beautifully crafted and shot show, and he is—he really knows what he's doing and um, delineates the uh, past and the future in this show. This this show takes place in 2018 and 2022, which does not make it a science fiction show. Mm-hmm. It just makes it, you know, a couple of years from now, mm-hmm. like here's where the characters are, and. Um, you know, the past is full frame and the, I'm sorry, the, the, the 2018 parts are full frame and the future parts are sort of constricted and narrow. Um, That's interesting. As to sort of imply this, this, um, you know, claustrophobia. Uh, it works the paranoia aspect very well. It's very parallax view in that regard. And uh, the thing that I was actually most impressed with is the stakes are commensurate to the level of paranoia. Now, sometimes you get these things and it's like, what is the conspiracy? And the conspiracy turns out to be either too small and you're sort of like, well, I, I don't know if that required all that sort of, like the reveals are always hard. Mm-hmm. The reveal in this was actually perfectly shaped mm-hmm. to what they had built up. And I was, that is a hard landing to stick. And they did a great job. And I cannot recommend the show enough. I got to ask about the podcast. Did you listen to that first? I didn't. I don't, I, I knew it was based so on the parallels podcast. between, you're not sure. I have no idea yeah. what they are. Um, a, friend of, a friend of mine who is, was, uh, liked both said they're both terrific. Um, and uh, they're both totally worth engaging but um, does this feel somewhat unique to you? I, I'm trying to think of another podcast turned serial uh, show. Not not serial show. Uh, there's a there's a TV show. Um, and I'm not. I, I honestly can't remember if it's Amazon or Netflix called Lore. Mm, yeah, that's an anthology program that is based on a podcast. And uh, to their credit, Austin Film Festival has, in the past couple of years, really ramped up their. Um, uh, examination of the link between podcasts as a source of of content mm-hmm. for film and television, That's and they're they're good at they're they're really into emphasizing that. So uh, this episode of the podcast is coming out on Thanksgiving week. I'm going home for Thanksgiving, so we're going to talk about some Thanksgiving things. <laughs> Alyssa, what about you? Uh, Are you going home? You live well. Well, home is here in Austin now, yeah. so which is pretty great. Yeah, um, but. I, and we're going to do the whole annual tradition that started in my hometown of Victoria of Black Friday shopping. And Wait, uh, you're telling me that Black Friday started in Victoria? Are you saying no, no, for no. You? The, the tradition for my mom and I. Oh, got it. Okay, so you, this is like every year you and your mom get up at the crack of dawn? Oh, hardly. Like, it used to be back in the day when it was legit. Like, they gave like little door busters. We still own every single JCPenney Disney <laughs> snow globe. And we put them out every year. The first one is Tiger. I mean, Tigger. Um, and the so last cute. one is uh, some sort of Mickey Mouse. You can fight me on that. I know this. But um, yeah. A lot what do you of, like about it? What do you like about shopping on that day? Well, I mean, it's kind of, it, it was really fun and exciting in the beginning um, because you would wake up at three o'clock 
And then you, you know, be sitting in your car. Is this and like 10 year old Alyssa? I'm trying to like place. Oh, this yeah. Time. Like nine, 10 year old. Oh, so and cute. did you like, have cute dyed hair at that time, too? No, but I had. Oh, you wanted to. Old me. But it, it was it was very much like an event. It was so much more like an event. Like I got elbowed into a sweater rack by an old woman one year at JCPenney. Like I was just <laughs> on the sidelines. So I'm here to tell you to wear your armor. No, um. It, it, I hear it's not as competitive as it used to be. Well, it's just, it's exhausting now. Like, it's gone up to, we have Thanksgiving dinner, I mean, Thanksgiving lunch at 3 o'clock in Gonzales, and then by the time we drive up here, all the stores are open for Black Friday on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. So now we're kind of gone to the habit of just getting some of that stuff done and then going home. But um, my favorite, I would, I, I have some suggestions for people who are just tired of Black Friday and stuff. I would suggest, like, a lot of the stuff that is you would think they'd go on sale actually goes on sale like before that mm-hmm. um like electronics are trying to get out of you know their stuff out of the way to bring in like the new crop of like brand new stuff so a lot of that stuff is on sale um because they know that they'll like get you with the whole sale thing mm-hmm. um but I, I would suggest like not wearing red to target <laughs> just like Both the just simple ask you for things help. yes yeah. they will ask you for help excuse me where are the enormous televisions <laughs> you're looking for it too the same is true at H-E-B on Thanksgiving morning I have a suggestion of that like H-E-B and a lot of really random stores have some of the best deals that like people are looking for we bought a Wii like the first year that the Wii came out the Nintendo Wii we bought it at an academy cool like wow. there's a lot of really random stuff and so I, I would my biggest suggestion is just like take shopping bags instead of a cart so you don't have to like wheel around things and then also just be really nice to people it's really worth doing black friday and stuff but i I feel like i'm kind of going for the people who have to work it and like starbucks workers i'm like you're you're doing a good job okay so speaking of starbucks you actually brought in a bag of coffee to the studio oh yeah because i just want to say like for like one week out of the entire year starbucks's best coffee comes out and it's called thanksgiving blend and they only come out like one spare week because then they start shoving in the star, the Christmas blend stuff. Eggnog flavored coffee. It's so freaking good. And I just have to say like it's a really good like just pick up a bag and take it with you to your Thanksgiving meal or whatever with family because it looks like a gift. It's extremely beautiful. Beautiful host gift. Yeah. And then um, it just tastes really good. It's supposed to like pair with turkey, with pumpkin pie. It's just, it's got this blend of Guatemala Antigua uh beans which is like the best coffee i've been to guatemala antigua and like the coffee there is like spectacular it makes you want to cry so like this is kind of getting there and then like some aged sumatra so you get like these herbal spicy notes but it's not like flavor coffee like cinnamon or like you know an alcoholic like aftertaste of you know blended flavors so i would suggest going out and getting thanksgiving blend it'll make you happy and less cynical before all the christmas stuff comes in okay so speaking of both cynicism and Thanksgiving. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm about ready to recommend what I'm about ready to recommend. The thing I love so much about Thanksgiving is Paula Deen's corn casserole. Paula Deen? That I started she's making. still relevant? Well, her corn casserole is. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I mean, I, I, oh, man, Paula Deen really fell off my radar as somebody, a food source that I trusted and really cared about. But about <laughs> five years ago, my sister emailed me this recipe for a, a corn casserole that literally is like two cans of corn. One of them is creamed corn. Jiffy corn muffin mix, sour cream butter, and cheese. And so it's a super easy casserole that you bake. And it's like this combination of like uh, cornbread, which uh, cornbread is usually just too dry for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like a super moist cornbread, corn but also kind of a sweet um, 
fills the place of the sweet potato casserole because I don't really like sweet potato pie and sweet potato casserole, especially with the marshmallows on it. That's way too much. Right. But the sweet and savory mix in this casserole is exactly what my Thanksgiving plate needs. What uh, is the sweetness? I'm sorry. Where's the sweetness? Oh, just the, corn. just the sweet I corn. I mean, canned creamed corn is like so well, much sugar. Here never is, had it. Here's a here's a question. Uh, I you're from Missouri, as I recall. <laughs> is that a um, you know, it's it's a place where you know compromises are often made, <laughs> and I'm wondering if it is a savory cornbread state or a sweet cornbread state. Mm. You know, I did not grow up eating cornbread. Oh, well. so I actually think that it's absent from. I mean, of course, what then? Therefore, what happened in my home must be exemplary of what happened in every Missouri household. But I will tell you that it doesn't seem like cornbread is as big a deal up there as it is here. Um, huh. But certainly right, the, you know, all casserole, it's a definitely a casserole state. So okay, yeah. tuna casserole, <laughs> green bean casserole. Sure. I mean, I love green bean casserole, but like green bean casserole and corn casserole are the two things that Thanksgiving really needs. I know that flyover state is a pretty awful term. Should we rename it like casserole? Casserole state? Casserole country? <laughs> it's casserole country. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And you know what? I've, I've come to wear that uh, label with pride. And also just to have a lot less cynicism about Thanksgiving. I used to really bring a kind of ratty, bratty attitude to the table. One, because I had to sit at the kids' table for a long time. Like Ooh. into my 20s after I had children. What? I was sitting at the kids' table. What? And nobody let me bring anything, even though I was a food writer. Uh, Wow. I'm like, throw, I'm like, <laughs> that is hardcore. it was hard. And I didn't even get to roast a dang turkey until I started hosting Friendsgiving. And so that's, mm. I guess, really ultimately like host a Friendsgiving. If you've never hosted a Friendsgiving, get your friends together. I'm probably going to host mine in December this year. Um, it's a good excuse to practice some of these adulting things that sometimes your family doesn't let you do because they hold really tightly onto those things. Wow. And so wow. anyway, those are my... That's okay. My family doesn't listen to the podcast, so you're you're good. <laughs> I'm good. Oh. <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing them though, and uh, thanks guys for joining us. Happy Th- Thanksgiving to all of you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. And that's our show. Thanks for listening, and thanks for our sponsor, Hilton Austin. Our theme music is provided by local band Hardproof. To keep up with us online, we're Love Austin Three Sixty on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get a chance please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is a production of the features staff at the Austin American Statesman. And the show is produced by Alyssa Vidalis and Addie Broyles. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash love austin360. And if you want to pitch us an idea for the show or give us some feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave us a voicemail at 512-912-2504. We couldn't do this show without you, dear listener, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your slightly warmed wine sweet rolls. Until next week, we'll see you gathered round the Thanksgiving table, not fighting about politics or who gets the wishbone.